Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 40 of the North Meet South web podcast. Our official Over the Hill episode has begun. Episode 40. All right. So we're trying something here. Oh, boy. Okay. I said, first person to respond to this tweet that can record in the next two minutes and that has a decent mic can be a guest on the North Meets South podcast. Any takers? And I have gotten no takers yet. And it has been almost two minutes. So this experiment might have been a bust. We'll see. It is 11 o'clock Central Time on a Friday night. So I'm sure... There are plenty of other people who have things to do. Probably. But uh, yeah, we'll see, right? We will see. Maybe DHH. What if DHH would want to come on? Yeah, real quick. You just, I'm just going to message just him. Hey, DHH, do you want to come on our podcast? Yep, I'm going to do it right when now. When DHH was on Full Stack Radio, that's when it really took off. So maybe this is our time. Hey, DHH. Maybe he's just chilling in, his, in his Mountain View on office. Our podcast and talk for a few minutes about anything you want. It's a Friday night. I'm sure you have nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Long shot. Why not, right? Yeah. Hey, if you don't ask, you don't know. Yep. The worst the worst he can do is say no. I wonder, wonder what Taylor Otwell's up to. He's at uh, he's got a daddy daughter dance tonight. I had a daddy daughter dance tonight. Did I'm you? sure he's not I'm sure he's home right. by now. His daughter is not gonna be out until eleven o'clock. Well, I don't know. Did you oh see that my. that Schmick's shirt he was wearing? I'd be partying all night long if I, I had that shirt. That's that is true. It ha- it's got true. very he's quite... very short sleeves as well. He's you can see he's been working out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Has he been? Let me see. I, I, I'm looking at the picture right now. Let's see. Oh man, Taylor working on them pipes. <laughs> Nicely done, my friend. Nicely done. Squad goals. <laughs> Hashtag squad goals. <laughs> I just I just got back from the gym. I I spent this week doing drop sets. So I don't know what that so is. So I, I I go to the gym three days a week, and once a month I've decided okay. I'm going to do drop sets. So what drop sets are is you pick a weight that you can do about four to six reps on, and you do it. Okay. And you do a a set of four to six at that high weight, and then there's there's a couple of ways of going about it. You can either run the rack. So if you if you're doing like dumbbells you can start at say 25 kilos or 20 kilos and then you do your six or four to six with 20 you put the 20 back you go to 17 and a half so you essentially drop two and a half kilos between sets so you go from four to six then you aim to do eight to ten then you drop weight again you aim to do 10 to 12 and then you drop weight again and you attempt to do 15 to 20 and nice. It's, it's a good. It sounds painful. Yeah. So you can run the rack that way, or you can do depending on what you're doing. If you've got a buddy that you're at the gym with, you can also do. Uh, I forget what it's called, but you basically stack the plates, um, or you unstack the stack plates. Stack the plates. So if you're using plates on a on a dumbbell, for example, you would you would stack it with say 40 kilos, and then you would take off 10 kilos, and you would work your way down that way. So it's a good way to sort of bust through a plateau. If you find yourself stuck at a at a certain weight level, you can push yourself up and it helps basically target and tear different bits of the muscle. I'm obviously I'm not I've, I don't have the physiology exactly down pat, but the the general theory is that you activate different fibers in the muscle by doing this. So you activate the ones hmm. that you know you tear them at the higher at the higher weight and as you come down you work different parts of the muscle and it helps 
just to break through plateaus and things like that. So yeah, I'm doing one week a month that way. One week or once? So like a whole week you do uh, that? Yes, yeah, so I do the three sessions one week a month of, of drop wow. sets. Um, so I, and I, you know, it's not a full, full body each time. So I'll do, you know, usually chest and, and arms one day. I'll do triceps and back, you know, delts one day. And then today I just got back from doing a leg session and the leg session, I nearly died, no, you, Jake. And then you have your, <laughs> you have your glute day. I mean, you just work your glutes all you day. You just do glutes. All you right. do. Yeah. So yep. today. And then you, you rock hard glutes, <laughs> Aussie glutes. <laughs> <laughs> Today's now I've, I think I've mentioned on the show before, I've, I've had knee troubles. Um, I've, I've had torn meniscus in my right yeah. knee and I've had surgery no, to, to repair that. And I've not quite as severely damaged but i've got bad left knee as well so legs have always been a bit dubious for me because i'm paranoid about doing damage to them again and as someone who is a programmer and not someone who is a professional athlete i don't really want to go through the recovery process again so i'm i'm really kind of careful i don't try and stack the weight too much or do too much with my legs right right yeah but this this past week i've sort of and especially with with this drop set week, I've I managed to squat sixty kilos, which is some measure of pounds. I don't know; it's like a hundred and something pounds. Okay, I guess. let's see. Sixty kilos to one hundred and thirty pounds. pounds. One hundred thirty. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So well, since I've squatted, never. I don't know how what you know. The only thing I've ever squatted is body weight. Yeah. So I have no idea how much how difficult it is to squat one hundred thirty pounds. Sure. So, I mean, the theory so is... So, your meniscus, you should, which side of the knee is that? The which side of the knee? Is, the meniscus is between the joint. So, the, okay. the, so the like meniscus is like which way would your knee wrist going? Uh, oh, this is sideways. This is oh, lateral. okay, okay, okay. Yep. Um, so, the meniscus is like the spongy stuff between the joint. And when that tears, it doesn't recover. It's not, it's not like skin or muscle. Like, it doesn't tear and then recover. It just it just has and it sits there. So and it and it comes away from the main body of the meniscus. So when I went in for surgery, the the surgeon is like, so yeah, this is torn. And what's happened over time is that it's gradually like peeled away more and more. And as a result, eventually it like flips around and then gets stuck in the joint, which is why I was getting my knees locking up. Ouch. For those of you that are listening, you're obviously painful. not gonna you're not gonna see this video. Um, <laughs> Jake, Jake. Whilst I'm a consummate podcasting professional, Jake is trying to distract me by yeah. making his hair look like um, Ace Ventura at the moment. Hey, can you translate this? What does this say? Hello, my friend. Is it me? Yes, Matt Lance wants to come on. All right, get him on. Let's do it. Okay, so can, sorry, you can keep going. So you're a consummate professional, and I am a just a dork who keeps on messing with my hair. It's true. It's true. Sorry, I was interrupting you about your knee. Um, Hey, do you want to know what I... So I screwed up my knee a little bit ago on the way to Disney World and I was a little bit worried. Oh, you did this on the way to Uh, Disney World. That's not good. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me about this. Yeah, I was nervous because I was afraid that I was going to be miserable at Disney. I I was trying to get to the airport really quickly because I parked in like an economy lot and I opened my door and smashed my knee the opposite way, like bent it backwards. Yeah, so I was trying to jog up to the airport Mm. and uh, and it was like super painful. So I had to stop and slow down. And then I was really concerned that it was going to be horrible the whole time. And I just took it easy. And then when I got back, the way that I tested to make sure that it was better was I went to the trampoline park with my seven-year-old. And <laughs> Of course, yeah. Trampoline's a good way to make <laughs> so, sure that your knee is not messed so, up. Yeah. Mm. And so it didn't bend the opposite way. So I'm like, all right, it's all good. It's all better. 
Okay. Hey, uh, seriously though, what do we, are people going to get mad that we're just shooting the breeze and like literally not talking about anything that they want to hear about? So, well, I think um, I think uh, personal development and uh, you know general fitness is is a good thing to talk about. Sure, that's true. That's true. That's true. Okay, so personal fitness. I've been going to the gym two times a week and working out at home, and I've been noticing some good results. So that's great. So I feel a little bit stronger, have a little bit more energy, uh-huh. and so that's been awesome. The first time I did these workouts at home, like. The one that we're doing is called Shift Shop, mm-hmm. and um, I couldn't make it through the whole workout without doing any of the like I was doing all the modified stuff, yeah. you know, yeah. like where they tell you to do pushups and I like doing it off, off your knees because yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, because I'm like a big baby. <laughs> and then the, by the last time I was doing it, I've, I was doing it all the way through, no modifications, and it was great. I felt wonderful about nice. it. So, okay, some dude says he wants to hear a Laravel versus Rails comparison. We're talking about frameworks built on two different languages, so obviously differences, but there will be. There were lots of similar choices to make. Where does Laravel get it wrong? Will anything in Laravel inspire future Rails? That's hmm. a tricky one. That's a good question. Because I've never never used Rails. I did, did. Did you see this post that was doing the rounds yesterday, the day before, about Ray, what was it, Ruby Stan versus PHP Stan and the and the naked PHP developers? Did you see this at all? No, I did not. I have to see if Where I was can it find at? it. It just came up on Twitter. It was from a Medium post. Um, I have to figure. I think it was Stephen Wade. Stephen Wade Jr., I think it was, that that posted this. Well, that's where I saw it initially. Yeah, so this came from a Reddit thread, and I will um, I will link it up in the show notes, of course, because that's that's all good. But it's um, it's it's this like missive around how um, there were PHP warriors and how they learnt, you know, those. Yeah, I'll, I'll just read it. In one region of the world, PHP is stand. Young warriors begin their training by wrestling each other naked. They often do not train with weapons or armor until they have been wrestling for at least five years. When they do finally learn a weapon, they choose between the elegant Laravel, the mighty symphony, and the dreaded Drupal. And it goes on and on talking about all of this stuff. It's it's an interesting comparison, I guess. It's hard for me to say, really, like to answer that question that you asked. I, I've never used Rails, so I can't really speak to what the, the comparisons are other than anecdotal comparisons that you know laravel borrows some things from rails um you know we've got active record we've got a lot of yeah. a lot of bits and pieces a lot of the philosophies are very similar in laravel as well i've heard the routing is similar to like sinatra or something yeah yeah so you know there's that and we had our storage facade well that's now similar i don't know you know how much it's borrowed in terms of implementation or or style or anything like that in rails but they've now got this active i think they call it active storage which is more or less the same oh, interesting. thing. So active storage. Sort of like fly system yeah, or something? Yeah, kind of like fly system. So it's it's that wrapper over the top of the underlying stuff just to essentially make things easier to get your files directly into the into a cloud storage platform. So, Sure, that makes yeah. sense. So I think philosophically, and you know, if Daniel Colborn hears this, he'll be all over it. But philosophically, I think they're very similar in terms of you know developer happiness and making things as simple and as readable as possible. I know that DHH was tweeting earlier today around the count. You know, every now and then he will post on on Twitter about how many controllers they've got and what their controllers look like and how yeah. they always embrace right. the the majestic monolith. So he posted some stats, and their controllers are very lightweight. Some of them only have one or two methods. Even the more complex ones only have five or six methods. So um, we'll link those up in the show notes as well. 
Matt, you're recording. Hey, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me, guys. So Hey, thanks. Yeah, so we just threw something out on Twitter, and uh, <laughs> Matt decided to come on. And Matt, you are on another podcast as well, right? I Yeah, I've been doing Lara Chat with a few of the, like, uh, the other developers in, yeah. in the Laravel for community. For quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. And Yep, for quite a while. Uh, yeah, like a year and a bit. A bit, nice. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So quickly for any of our listeners who don't who don't know you, yeah, where are you from? What do you do? Uh, what do you work on? Gosh. Et cetera. Uh, so I'm I'm from uh, Southern Ontario, so near Toronto. Mm-hmm. I've been in this general vicinity most of my life. Uh, although these days I'm f- hopping back and forth between Brooklyn and Toronto area again. So that's fun. <laughs> Generally. Gosh, I, I I maintain a handful of packages, working on lots of client work and helping out some other teams all around. So keep them busy. Nice. Awesome. And so do you do like freelance? Go ahead, Michael. You, you, Go ahead. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> I'm going to shut up. I just texted Michael. I said, sorry, cut you off. What's new, right? And he just smiled yeah. and says, yep, pretty yep. much. Yep. Um, so I'm going to shut up. So okay, Michael, go ahead. You can talk. You missed the start of, of the show. We were just talking about getting into the gym and trying to lead more active lives. You you spend a bit of time in the gym. I think we spoke I, briefly about it when, when I was in New York for Laracon. Yeah, I, I've I've been... I'm a pretty active guy. Bit of a gym rat? Uh, not as much as I'd like to be. But <laughs> no, I've, I've, I've been pretty active for quite, quite a few years. Um, mm-hmm. It was actually funny when I first met Adam Wathen, we joked about how he was bigger and stronger than me, but I could easily outrun him any day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah adam's got a crap knee i think i've heard oh, i don't doubt it seeing the weights <laughs> that that guy's lifted i don't even want to yeah. like when he yeah, was yeah that's true yeah it's ridiculous but um yeah yeah no i've always been I, i'm a just i don't know it's one of those things where it's like i one of my favorite <laughs> things to do is actually hit the gym and listen to audiobooks yeah oh that's cool yeah so yeah yeah, that's how I that's how I churn through all of my podcasts is at the gym because if I don't, my commute's not long enough. Yeah. I, I mean, I hear people all the time in the states there or even interstate here, their commutes are thirty minutes, forty minutes, an hour to and from work each each day. My commute's like fifteen minutes, so I don't have enough time even at even at two times to to get through all the podcasts I want. So, gym, going for a run, walking the dog, all these things kind of help. Well, I, like I work from home, so or most yeah. days I work from home. And then right now it's about two, maybe three days out of the week, I'll go to my office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even that's like 15 minute drive tops. Yeah. 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 I, I have like a six minute drive. So I will, uh, as soon as I hop in the car, I pretty much just turn it on and it's, you'd be surprised how many, how many you can get through. But I don't actually usually get to do it at the at the gym because I, I work out with like a group kind of. Oh, yeah. Makes so sense. So there's like four of us. We just kind of like do like a circuit and stuff. So everybody's just talking the whole time anyway. So, But on the way there and on the way back and literally anytime in the car, I just grab my AirPods, throw them in, mm-hmm. turn on podcasts yeah. and away we go. Depends on what mood I'm in. But a lot of times I'm listening to American This American Life as well, uh-huh. which is a good podcast. Very interesting. So uh, Yeah. All right. So the format we're kind of going to take today is the same format we take every week, which is we just kind of talk about what we're working on and get any feedback and just kind of do like a rubber duck session, you know, rubber ducking. We just kind of talk our problems through out loud and um, give each other feedback and then make fun of each other's accents. And <laughs> since we've got a Canadian and Australian and American, we should be good to go. A Canadian and Australian and American <laughs> walk into a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't really walk. Well, that's true. Yeah. Like we... I- 
clicked yeah. into a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to do the common American thing and defer to everyone oh. else. That's what Americans do, yeah. I believe, right? <laughs> We just <laughs> well, except on matters of uh, national security, climate change. Oh, uh, I, I, I'm just walking into this. I know. Yeah, I know. You asked for that one. All right. So I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm gonna say, Michael, you can go first today. So let's let's hear what okay. it is that you're working on, what you've been up to at, at uh, your place of employment yeah. recently, or inside or inside work or whatever, and or whatever you thought of Laracon Online. If you were able to watch any of the videos, yeah. Well, I'll start with Laracon Online because that's that's still fresh. I I woke up at like 4 a.m on the on the day of and caught about half of Taylor's talk on Laravel 5.6 and Spark and I caught a bit of Chris Fidel's talk on scaling Laravel and then I went back to sleep because it was five o'clock in the morning and I could still catch another hour sure. or so before having to get up for the day and and then I caught part of Sandy Metz's talk which I hear was really good and I look forward to catching mm-hmm. up yeah. on and then I had Matt's talk on in the background, Matt Stauffer's, and I was trying and obviously with 3,000 or however many people were attending Laracon online to get Matt's little light to flash green and gold as some kind of guerrilla advertising <laughs> tactic for Laracon Australia. But I think with, nice. with all the people that were doing it, it didn't work out too well, in particular with with TJ saying that he mashed the, the blue button like a thousand times. So I, yeah. I thought it was really well done i think ian and eric both did a terrific job to get this whole thing organized to get all the sponsors involved to get the swag together from what i saw of the live videos like the whole process was really really smooth using zoom once again yeah they did a super good job Mm -hmm. the the website was really good i know that eric spent a bit of time building that from the ground up to sort of encompass the entire process of ordering tickets and managing access discourse was really good in terms of uh, interaction and chat and and being able to actually keep up with it um you know slack's not really built for three thousand people in in the same room all talking at the same time so discourse really yeah. helped to kind of reduce a lot of the noise i think and like let people focus on specific topics of discussion which was really good and mm-hmm. i've grabbed all the videos now and added them to my plex service so i'll be able to catch up on them first one i want to look at is steve Shoger's. Oh my word. That was actually one of my top, like my top two. I could tell you my top two when it's my turn, but his was awesome. Yeah. Loved it. So I, had good. Been, I had been looking forward to it since I first saw, you know, that he was going to be speaking and it was his first speaking engagement. So it would be good to see from, from that perspective, how well that went. Um, I did speak to him briefly earlier today and he was, he was really happy with how it went. Got a lot of positive feedback, which is really good to hear. I didn't recognize him without his hat on. No, I was like Steve. Is that, I was like, who is that? I, it's a Steve. I've spoken Steve. To him. Oh, that's Steve. Yeah, I've spoken to him a couple of times without his hat on, and it's. I don't. I haven't seen any of the the video from his presentation yet, but it's usually like up here and wispy. So, but yeah, I look look forward to checking that one out. That'll be the first one I watch probably after we jump off off recording here. So, yeah, um, congratulations to Ian and to Eric and to everyone else that was involved. Thanks to Taylor, obviously, for the the framework and giving us the opportunity to have this kind of thing. Uh, it's a massive scale. It's 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 a really really good way to engage the wider Laravel community. I know it's difficult for um, you know people to travel to the US or to Europe. Um, that's part of the reason why I've decided to to do Laracon in Australia was because a lot of Australians just can't get to yeah. either of either of those two events because of the 
the cost and the time involved in doing so. Um, and and, be- and, the time and because of the yeah. time difference, yeah, it's really hard to even watch any of the live streams when they're available. So yeah, yeah, I I don't envy the task. I know Ian was tweeting after the conference finished that it's half the work of of running a in person conference, but it's still mm-hmm. a lot of work. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm starting to I feel that that, the, uh, that kind of workload now as I start ramping up for Laracon oh, yeah. AU as well. Yeah. Matt, did you get a chance to participate in Laracon online at all? I did not. I, I No. The only thing that I have thus far seen out of that is I've dealt with some repercussions of 5.6 releases. <laughs> oh my. Breaking a How's handful that? in what oh, way? Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's just it's a literally it was a it was just a rabbit hole it turned into a rabbit hole and it was because of a travis setup where it was pulling in the latest packages of stuff mm-hmm. for dusk oh, okay. and then because dusk is now pulling in symphony console 4 mm-hmm. that just destroyed a few other dependencies that were trying to do global installs right and so it just became a time-consuming process to discover where that occurred because I had never written the project. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out why the system broke. Yeah. Spassi updated all of their packages today, I think, for 5.6. Or or was it yesterday? I don't remember. Yeah, I think it, it might have been yesterday. It's a, time, yeah. it's a time-consuming process. And, it, and it's one of those things where it's like, if anything, I'd, I'd argue that the whole uh, Symphony Thanks thing, that's like the most important aspect to give thanks for is those updates. Compatibility systems. Because it is so much when you're trying to deal with that and you're getting a hundred and some odd pull requests for here, this is all you got to do to update it to this compatibility. And you're like, it's not that simple, my friend. Because mm. mm. uh, like I've tried help, like I've done some help with um, the Laravel Collective HTML package over the past sure. year and a bit. And uh, Schaefer, I think his last name is Schaefer, he, he picked it up and got all the latest updates done which was fantastic because I didn't have to do it. And, uh, but it, it's one of those things where patience, you know what I mean? It's yeah. all about having yeah, a little yeah. bit of patience for that. Yeah, everybody wants, everybody wants the new hotness, right? It's like yeah. if 5.6 is out, they want everything to be updated the day of so that they can use everything, mm-hmm. which yeah, is, I mean, like, I get it. I, I get it. I get it too. It's, but it's like, really, uh, it's, oh, give us a week. Yeah. Give, give a week or, or so yeah. to, to get some of that compatibility in there. Yeah, and I think not only that, sure. but like it's a big undertaking, even from a perspective of someone upgrading the Laravel app to to upgrade it on the day of release and then to release it into production, can can like his history shows, and as as good as we try and be with getting the new releases out, history has shown that it is generally fraught with danger. There's usually two or three or four releases, you know, patch releases on the day of, and and a few more soon after. And we've seen that again with 5.6, you know, little things that you don't pick up through the development process. Oh, I'm I'm notorious for it in all yeah. my own packages. Yeah. I'll, I'll do a release and then I notice like three little things and I'm like, crap, okay, here's point one, yeah. point two, point three. God, this never yep. ends. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I try and like with that kind of stuff myself, I try and just push everything to master and make sure it all works and then eventually tag it. And then even still, you're going to miss something. So like the, the, the thing that I almost always miss is updating the re- the readme with the next version. <laughs> oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah, when you do the, uh, when you do the composer, like in your, in your readme, you just say, hey, do composer install this or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. You forget to update that. Yeah, that's happened to me before too. So that, I mean, that's something um, I noticed yeah, happened so- as well with this release that 
I think someone has now submitted pull requests to the Laravel docs, but every time there's a new release come out, obviously we have to specify the the specific version with the Composer Create project. Otherwise, Composer Create project Laravel Laravel is going to grab the latest release, so it may not always be the intended outcome. Particularly was it? You, was it? Yeah. Particularly if you wanted to grab like, an LTS release. So was this? So I I've been busy for the last little bit, <laughs> so I haven't necessarily been following all the latest news. But 5.6 feels like it just came out of nowhere. <gasps> Shame on you. <laughs> like, I saw it How pop up in the you? documents and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, okay. So he's just mm-hmm. working on it. But I wasn't necessarily yeah, yeah. in in such a loop that I knew, oh, well, the conference, he's going to release 5.6. Yeah. Right. He had right. been so talking was, about it for a little while. Taylor had been speaking about it, that he would be releasing it after he presented on it at Laracon Online. But... Laravel okay. was pretty much on a six-month February and July release cycle now, um, which aligns with, kind of the with symphonies, with the but it also aligns yeah. with Laracon Online and then Laracon US. Where it might uh, actually okay. be, yeah, it might be February and uh, August because it usually comes out around yeah. Laracon EU. I didn't feel like it was a ton of huge changes, honestly. I feel like there's a lot of convenience, mm. convenience stuff. That's pretty cool. I have um, a feeling that that's going to be the but, tendency with over the note like over time now is yeah it, it's not going to be such big curves or big changes yeah yeah in I mean, the like, same way yeah yeah it's really going to come down less to you know grand new features and more stabilization of the core framework i think and any of the new stuff it seems over the last sort of year or two we've seen with horizon and we've seen with other packages that they're going to be coming as packages that you can add onto yeah. your Laravel applications rather than shipping with the core, which I think is is yeah. a sensible way of doing it. It means that you're not filling the core with things that are that are optional. Like not everyone needs right. to use Redis. Not everyone needs to have the the dashboard to to view the jobs and things like that. So I think it's actually a a, a pretty smart approach. It gives Taylor the opportunity to work on sort of Laravel adjacent things. Um, and bring them in as optionals that that people can use if they want them. But he's he's yeah, in a good position yeah, like, to see what's what's in demand in the, in the community, I guess, and and tending to those needs. Right. Like I've always found, or not always, but for the most part, I've found Laravel to be fairly in that middle ground where you you have space. I mean, when you start a new project or something, if you're going to go down the road of an API, you're going to rip a few parts out. But mm-hmm. then if you're going to go down the road of you know a full stack app you're just going to be adding a few parts, but it's yeah. not a massive amount of work on either direction. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like even broadcasting and echo, like those are things that you have to install that don't come like straight out, straight out of the box. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's like a page of documentation they have to follow. It might take you 15 mm-hmm. minutes or something. Yeah. You know, there's that, but, um, there's passport, there's echo, there's cashier, all those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And then there's the whole, horizon. Like, yeah, horizon, there's spark. If you wanted to do like a ready to go, SaaS product that's got the new a new release. I don't know if it's out yet or if it's coming soon still. My understanding is that if you've purchased a license for Spark since November of last year, that the upgrade to version six will be free. That's nice. So yeah. yeah. I mean, there's all these things. I think it's good for the community as a whole, you know, being able to really focus on making the the framework core really rock solid, really stable. I don't really see a lot more huge, like I'm not missing anything. I don't find myself wanting to add anything to the framework ever. And it's really just these little things like we spoke about on the Laravel news podcast, Jake, around the kind of convenience features that come 
like the we're not kind of stuff or do, doesn't yep. exist or yeah, whatever, just little things, things like that sure yeah and honestly man like it's the framework's just so i i hate to call it like large and sprawling but like i even feel like working in every day there's so many things that i don't remember or even know mm. about like there's so many pieces out there so like i know uh chris Kamir is working on a post right now he was kind of talking about it in the chat that we're all a part of michael and um and he was kind of mentioning some helper methods that that you know we all use and we were kind of collaborating a little bit like hey here's some that i use and there was ones that i've just totally forgot about or didn't have any mm -hmm. clue about you know and so many things that aren't in the documentation either yeah like if you documented everything the documentation would be huge I mean, the documentation is large as it is but like it's it's succinct you know it's like straightforward if you documented every single feature and every single everything it would just be crazy so yeah uh even even like feeling like you have somewhat mastery of the framework you, there's still pieces and corners and like mm -hmm. little crevices you you totally forget about because you don't use them on a daily basis yeah. so yeah anyway uh okay circling back to laravel or uh laravel new not laravel news uh, <laughs> laracon online yeah laracon online yeah uh so we had a viewing party in normal which was pretty good we were supposed to have like between like six and eight developers two people had to drop out we ended up having like eight developers there, but we had we had a couple people drop out because of health problems. Another person dropped out because of weather, mm -hmm. and then um, the rest of them came. So we had like one, two, three, four, four other, four developers from outside our offices, and then three on staff and one intern that was there. So it was eight altogether. So it was really fun. Nice. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it was it was really fun. And um, did you get some pierogi for Matt Stipper for me? I did not. Oh, yeah. I was going to mention who who's all there. Uh, I did not. Uh -huh. Nope. Did, I did you even not. say hello um, on my behalf? Nothing? I did. Oh, I, I think I did. Something. I think. I, I think I did. And I said something for Chris Gumir, yeah. too, because Chris Gumir knows uh, knows him. So I said hi for him, too. But yeah, no, it was it was really cool to have everybody in. And um, it was I think we had people, some people driving from like a couple hours away just to come to the viewing mm -hmm. party. So it was pretty nice. cool. Oh. Yeah, it was fun. Let's see. What else? Uh, okay. Talks, favorite talks. Steve Sugar was like number one or number two. Mm -hmm. Like I actually, this last, last couple of weeks, I've been looking at his Twitter feed like quite extensively and just looking at a lot of these tips, um, that oh, I he love kind of presented tips. in his talk. Oh, I was, so I was begging him to make a book long practical. ago. Yeah. Yes. Cause he's so practical. Oh, I know. Every one of them. You're like, that's, that's exactly what you should be doing. I think probably his last three or four hot tips have come as like direct results of questions that I've asked him. I said to him, I'm going to have to That's stop funny. asking you questions because it makes me feel bad that I'm so terrible at this that you need to, you feel the need to uh, create a hot tip out of it. So yeah, he's like, he's like, okay, some, this dude sends me this question. This is what you don't want to do. And this is how I told him to fix it. So I'm going to make this available for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's uh, and, and he's just super talented, and all of his stuff is just very, very common sense, right? So, talked a lot about hierarchy and how to kind of establish hierarchy uh, in your designs using both like font size, font weight, font coloring. You know, talked about alignment. And he talked about how to like de-emphasize icons and how like you know large icons have a lot of weight, so make them a little bit lighter color and. I don't know, man. So many good things. Yeah. You know, not using borders. And then like, it was cool too. I'm trying to remember her name. Uh, Larium or something. Laura is like, Elizabeth. Laura, yeah, what's from her? last year. Laura Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. That's right. Laura Elizabeth. Yeah. And um, 
kind of a lot of like how she talked about how design, like how, how uh, developers, you know, we basically with our with our development process, if we're doing TDD, it's like red, green refactor, right? So you go red first, like, so, okay, you write your test, and then you do green, which is like, you just slime your test. So like, just get it to green, right? Just get something on the page and then you refactor. And she talked about how design, approaching design is a similar sort of thing where you start with a design and then you just kind of refactor, 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 just clean it up and clean it up and keep cleaning it mm -hmm. up. And that's what Steve did in his talk is he essentially like took this page and said, okay, let's start here. Let's, let's take a look at this. Okay, let's clean that up a little bit. All right, now that we have that, we don't need this border anymore. So let's take that border out. Okay, well, now that we don't have that border, there's really no reason to have this panel. So let's take the panel out. Okay, now we can combine these two sections. And now we can align these and we can put these icons in there so we don't need a footer anymore. So, and then by the time you were done, it was like half the stuff that was on the page, there were all these elements that were all separated and everything. It's all just like one big cohesive unit, but there's a hierarchy between all the pieces. So yeah, he's super talented and I just, I mean, and he basically started with the bootstrap design, right? Which is why it's so helpful is because that's basically that's where everybody starts, starts yeah. I feel like. Yeah. So do you think, yeah. do you think that's more or less a testament to a methodology than anything else? Yeah. Just, yeah, the, for just sure. that notion of starting with ugly and then refining down yep. to clean. Cause I yeah. always find that a lot of times, even as developers, we start off trying to over think things on the most simplistic level mm -hmm. instead of just slap yep. it together make it the nastiest code you've ever written in your life and then figure it out and refactor and yeah refactor. i think i think um kind of like when we had um uh, what was his name ryan singer come to laravel or, or laracon uh in um louisville yep. in 2016 i think yep. He kind of talked about affordances, right? These affordances and like the, what are the things you need to do to get the user from this page to the next page, right? Like what is the minimum amount of things and like what is the job that they're trying to do? What is the thing that they're trying to accomplish? And I don't think you, it requires anything fancy to build those things, right? So like you could literally, like you said, like just chuck bootstrap on the page and get it working first. Like I feel like yeah. the... Uh, the flow of like how the user accomplishes the task is more important when you're first starting out. And if you're trying to make it pretty before you get it working, then you're you're shooting yourself. It's yeah. like it's like um, what do they call it? Pre-optimization, right? Like it's premature optimization. What do they call that? You know what I'm saying? Premature optimization. Thank you. Yeah, it's exactly what it mm -hmm. is, right? Because if you're trying to make it too pretty before you know this this problem well enough, you're going to end up wasting a lot of time. Right. So, yeah, I've kind of been trying to take that approach myself. So uh, what we do is uh, kind of have my other developers, I'll kind of sketch out a big fat design. I'll just like on the whiteboard, I'd like literally use the biggest, fattest marker I can and just draw squares and like no title. Like I don't actually write out the text. I'll just draw like a squiggly line where there should be a button. Mm -hmm. And then like this is what it should look like. This is, These are the affordances. Right. So this is the very, very general sketch idea of it. So don't you know, I don't really trust their design sense at all. So I just say like, just make it work, use bootstrap, whatever. And then I'll kind of come behind them and just clean it up, kind of do that refactor of the design almost. So yeah, I do find that working uh, pretty well. Nice. And um, it's, cool. it, it's been an interesting kind of exercise to do it that way. Yeah, that was, and that was the approach I took when I was doing our online sign-up process was to just get all the questions on the page and then figure out what help text do we need to add? Where do we need to group things? How do we want to display them? Yeah. I actually spent a bit of time with Steve just going over where it was and like it's only little things. You only have to make small changes to make big improvements. So it's it's good to take the iterative approach. Once you have an understanding of everything that you need, once you've got everything on the page and everything works, then as you say, yeah, start to 
whittle it down and, and tweak things and look at colors and look at positioning and layout and things like that. Yeah. So, oh, oh uh, yeah. So start ugly. Yeah. That's a, that's a good takeaway. Like start ugly, like go with prototypes, make it like quick yeah. and dirty, just get it done, and get this, something on the page this was, and then go You and I were talking well, about it's a sculpture. friend of mine that, um, yeah, it's that a, I sure. had. Yeah. It's a sculpture. It's, it's a, good a way sculpture. To think of it. Yeah. 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 You start yeah. off with dump everything and then pluck away. That's it. But I've yep. never thought of it that way. Yeah. Sculpture. Yeah. I All like right. that. There was a, a friend of mine, the same friend that I was telling you about before we started recording, Jake. He's a, a UX designer. And when when I went with him for the, basically one of the first projects we worked at, he was just sketching things on his iPad. And I said, like, you know, I thought, well, wireframing this. He said, yeah, we're wireframing. I'm just sketching it like rough cut, basically a Sharpie, right? And... And he said to me, what you want to do is just get the rough outline on the page because if you start too hi-fi, like too high fidelity, people get attached to that design. They don't, they don't look at the context. They don't look at what's happening. They look at the design and they say, I like that design and they don't care that it doesn't function or it doesn't meet their requirements. And it's not until they get to the, you know, to actually use this thing and all they're looking at is this doesn't look like what the design looked like. And so they're not focusing on the functionality so i think you know as you say with the the biggest marker you can find on a whiteboard that's the best place to start especially if you're engaging stakeholders where yeah for sure they're looking for something pretty and it's good to sort of flip that mentality to say well we're not looking at what it looks like now we're looking at how it functions and what you need it to function um you know in order to, to to achieve whatever task it is that that we're setting out to to help you achieve here yeah, and the earlier you can get them involved in that too, like the faster you can get their feedback. Like I designed this contest tracker app thing that we built, like we we pretty much designed it in the dark without any of the stakeholders like having any input, pretty much because it was almost like a surprise project. It was like, hey, we're going to do this for this department just out of the kindness of our mm-hmm. hearts, not because they asked us for it, but because we recognize they need it. And so we got it to pretty much like where I thought it was about 90% complete. And then I was like, all right, here it is. And they were like, oh, yeah, that's really nice of you, but we needed to do these things. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I, like, of course, of course you needed to do those things, you know? It's like, we actually need to be able to take away points as well. Oh, um, can we modify the description when we go to approve that, that entry? Um, can we modify the points ourselves? It's like, well, yeah, you can. It would have been a lot easier <laughs> yeah. to know that at the beginning, yeah. though. <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyway, yeah, if you can just, if you can literally start with like, the Sharpie on the page and then, and then literally just have them come in and talk them through it, through it. Be like, okay, this is what the contest page is going to look like. They're going to click this. It's going to go to this next one. And here's what that looks like. And then, and then just say like, okay, what are we missing? What other pieces do you need? And then it's super, it's super fast to iterate with a Sharpie. You know what I mean? It doesn't take anything. It It takes you 30 seconds as opposed to like, you know, a day and a half. Right. So do you guys find that when you start things, you, you start with, uh, like a ton of different user stories that you're having to transfer mm, no. into those, because that's something well, we've been doing a lot. I guess it depends of. on what you mean by that. Yeah, yeah. Like I wish we often I had user have to stories. Do, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's actually how we we've been starting a lot of our you know client discussions, and then just any form of project discussion. It's it's like walk me through your workflow. What are you envisioning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, give me your dream. Like, walk me through mm-hmm. your dream, because yeah. then we can pluck out those essentials. And say, like, we'll start building this. Yeah. It's the yeah. most basic thing you can ask for. Like, the, there's one that we're going to be starting soon. And essentially, it's starting off as nothing more than a contact management system. Mm-hmm. 
like the dumbest, simplest thing. Yeah. But it gets broader from there. Yeah, I think yeah, it does, engaging sure. your stakeholders as early as possible is really, really important. And it's something that when our our internal CRM was built last year, it wasn't done. There was no engagement. So yeah. we I say we, I wasn't there, but it was it was released. It didn't do things that the old CRM did. There were things that were broken. There was just functionality that wasn't there. The project that I'm sort of leading at the moment with the new developers that started this year. They're building like this this portal, um, which sits aside from our CRM, and they're building APIs that would then hook into our CRM. But what I did was grab one of the the staff that was responsible for doing that process currently, and I said, over the next two to three weeks, I want you to think about what it is that you do day to day. I want you to think about what you have. I want you to think about what you've got missing and how we can bridge the gap and then look at how we can achieve, you know, make your life easier. So you're not doing boring, repetitive, menial things that that can be automated or that can be done in a better way. Because currently, for example, he's processing orders that come in. He's got no way of leaving notes on these orders. So he's using fields for hardware serial numbers to put, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. a a 20-character note to prompt him when he comes back to it in a few days what he needs to do on it. It's the worst. So, and, and and these are the kind of things that if you don't engage your stakeholders early and you don't have an understanding on how they're going to use the system, if you start making assumptions about how the system is going to be used, you will fail almost every single time unless you have intricate knowledge in, in that case. And if if you're working, I'm, I'm not sure, it sounds like you're doing more kind of like agency style work, Matt. We Yeah, we do. I mean, there's other projects. I- I work in a variety of situations sure. right now. <laughs> yeah. So someone in your situation, for example, you're not going to have that very specific knowledge. Even, yeah. I mean, even myself, I've I've had experience working at an ISP, but I haven't been in an ISP for a couple of years. And it's it's up to me. It's up to you. It's up to all of us as developers to really understand what it is that our stakeholders and our customers are actually needing to achieve. And our customers are not necessarily the end users that are paying, we might have to facilitate their ability to do things. But ultimately, our customers are the staff that are using the CRM and the systems internally every single day. And those are the customers that we need to make their jobs as easy as possible in order to serve those customers that are the end users that are paying the business money at the end of the day. So, um, and, and it varies industry to industry, but but largely, you need to understand your customers and you're not always the one in the best position to do that. So it's very important that you engage those stakeholders and really understand what it is you're trying to build because the last thing you want to do is to deliver the wrong thing and either hate have people you know hate you for it or just hate the system or try and find workarounds because no one's happy at the end of the day. All you're getting is right. complaints because this doesn't do what I want. It's like, well, it does this and this is how I think it should be done. So just like use the system as I've designed it kind of thing. And it, like no one's happy and you just, you end up with friction. Right. And, and even, even it, it's interesting because, you know, you, you hear about all sorts of groups always discuss uh, their agile approaches and everything else. And it's like, but agile doesn't protect you against this. No. You can continue through a, a project for a significant amount of time building piece by piece but that client or or that you know stakeholder is still under the impression that there's a variety of things they just haven't seen yet Mm -hmm. and are going to happen yeah and and so 
Yeah, it, it's learn yeah, the if, business. That's right. If learn you, their business. Mm-hmm. If you if you give them the impression that you just intuitively know and you don't specifically ask, they will make assumptions about the assumptions that you're making, um, and they will just assume that that things will be there how they see them in their head. But if they don't verbalize them and they're not asked about them, the communication doesn't exist. And so either features won't be developed or features will be developed incorrectly. And, you know, and this is how project timelines get blown out and how, you know, bugs are introduced and things like that. So it's better to spend a bit of time upfront planning and, and really understanding what you're doing before you start doing it. Yeah. Yep. Good points. Good points. Um, let's see, what else do we want to talk about? Is there anything, so I have something that I would like to talk about that's is something that I'm working on that's interesting, but before I do, um, do either of you guys have anything that's like, not like, I don't know, I hate to say that's not boring, Some, but that's reality sometimes, right? Sometimes we just end up having to work on some boring crap, you know what I mean? Like, it's just how it is. Uh, one of my developers was like, you know, as Sandy Metz said in her talk the other day, she's like, you know, reasons for developer unhappiness. And she's like, you, you, people say they're bored. And she's like, I don't really think that's an external thing. I think that's an internal thing. She's like, it's really like sort of a state of mind, right? You can choose to be bored or you can come up with a better way to do what it is, this boring thing that you're doing, mm-hmm. right? If, it, if you're bored doing it, come up with a better way to do yep. it or do it with excellence or learn something while you're doing it or whatever. So anyway... Having said that, sometimes the stuff we have to do is boring. So do you guys have anything interesting that you're working on that you would like to talk about? I've got about nine minutes left. So, Well, you've been pretty quiet this episode, Jake, which is very uncharacteristic. Okay. So do you have anything interesting <laughs> that you want to tell us about? Uh, okay. So I was working on that. Uh, I, I've talked about it in a couple, uh, let's see, last episode, uh-huh. I think. The one where I'm going to have like 60,000 simultaneous users on this one thing. Okay. So summarize it's going to be a dashboard it's going to be a facebook ad but it's going to be a video and i need to essentially get stats back from uh the facebook ad insights api to tell me how many people have watched it and then what i need to do is i need to use that data to essentially create a dashboard that looks real time Mm -hmm. and i'm trying to figure out how to make that as engaging as possible and as interesting as possible while trying to deal with like some technical limitations. So I had a couple problems. Uh, the one was I didn't want to hit the Facebook API rate limit. So there, I don't think their rate limits are that generous. What I really wanted to do, I, I felt like if somebody's looking at a dashboard, it is not going to be heavy. Oh, so let me give you an example. Have you ever gone to a website where it's been like, hey, our website has had this many installs and it gives you just a stat, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not exciting at all. Yeah. And then you go to another <laughs> website where it says we've had this many installs and it shows you like a number that's like incrementing mm-hmm. like pretty rapidly right. like at a, at a certain you know like pace. Like So it looks like what it feels like is, oh my gosh, that's getting installed right now. Like people are installing yeah. that right yeah. now. Now, the reality is that they very likely said, let's take a thousand off of what the actual number is and have it count up incrementally. Right. Right. That's what that's what they're probably doing. And that's kind of what I want to do with this is I don't want it. to. It's not actually going to be real time, right? I'm not going to hit Facebook's API every tenth of a second and actually get those values. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to figure out how do I get around hitting Facebook's API only every minute, but appearing as though my users are getting information delivered to them on some certain set of seconds. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, so the number I determined, which feels pretty good is about three seconds about every three seconds Uh 
is enough to to feel like it's engaging. Mm-hmm. How much of a time? So my options were. No, what was that? I was going to say, how much of a time delay are you okay with? With your one, like grabbing every minute, but then what's the time delay between the data you're collecting per minute and the actual revealing of said data? So what I'm saying is they need to see change on their dashboard every three seconds or it doesn't feel real. Mm-hmm. It doesn't right. feel real time. I get that. It feels, yeah. I mean, though, because I guess maybe I'm outside of the loop too much, but I'm just thinking in terms of if you're crawling or, or collecting from the Facebook API every minute, right? Mm-hmm. And you're collecting that, yep. that different, like the difference that's happening, right? And you want to split that difference over that minute duration. Are you right, able right. to run that and then show what is actually maybe two minutes ago's data? Or is right. it... Yes, that's that's correct. Yeah, so it essentially will be a minute behind. Right. It's, prob- it's pretty much what it will be. Okay. So you ha- you have a couple options, right? So if you, f- if you pull it from Facebook every minute... Uh, and the and what's happening is I'm dispatching events from Laravel, which are then getting broadcast through Echo to the front end, and those are being consumed through Echo. It's going to push her, and then Echo is listening for those. Okay, so then View is getting those values and is doing you know so with this data binding, it's doing an update of the you know stuff on the front end, and then the user's dashboard gets updated consequentially. So no problem. So you pull it every minute. The problem is if you divide it up evenly. So if you have 20 visits and you, you know, and every, um, you know, three seconds you're doing it, that's going to be one visit every second. And it's just going to look really odd. It's not going to look, it's not going to yeah. look like it's actually real time because yeah. it's just going to be like a regular interval. So like, then it's like, okay, well, I have to divide it up into random values over that minute period. And so, and that that was difficult too because like I could do that on the front end side of things. I could do that like using just random values. But the problem is this is a simulcast event. So you're going to be sitting there with your phone. Your buddy's going to be sitting next to you with his phone. And then there's a dashboard that's up going to be up in front. And your phones and the dashboard will only be in sync once a minute, which is when that new event broadcasts because the rest of it's going to be random. So I can't do that either. Mm-hmm. So the solution that I've kind of come up with, and there was a couple different ones, but the solution that I've come up with is that I'm going to just... I looked up the rate limits. I, I think I can get away with hitting Facebook's API every f- every five seconds, every every three to five seconds. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to try and do that. I'm going to try and do that. And if I hit a rate limit after I've tested it out, then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pull it every minute and then I'm going to do the division and stuff on the server side and then just use the broadcast events to handle handle that portion of mm-hmm. it. So essentially you'd give it like, you know, for lack of better terms, 25 points of data every minute. And then yeah. it would it would take those and then split them, broadcast those out to the users. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then every user is going to have the same value on their web page. Uh, you know, whoever's viewing it, they're all going to have the same values all the time. Mm-hmm. The the so basically, I'll be offloading the work to Pusher is what I'll just do. So I'll just fire those events. You know, every five seconds or whatever, and um, you know, or whatever, and then and then those will get pushed out to the front end. So here's my thought: you can your your scheduled task will run every one minute, right? Right, because you can't run a cron job faster than once a minute is the problem. But what you can do is you can schedule outbound requests to the Facebook API. True, right. So you could say, queue this up and then like make it available five seconds from now Mm -hmm. and then the next one 10 Mm -hmm. seconds from now and the next one 15. So you can can do, you know, one divided by whatever to get fractions of a minute and you can queue things at fractions of a minute. So I wouldn't right. I wouldn't fetch the data every minute and then try and figure out how to split that up at a seemingly random interval over 60 seconds. I would just every minute throw 
we just say five. So throw 10 events or five, nine events, basically. Throw nine events onto the queue every, every five seconds that pull the data mm-hmm. and have that job that gets executed, pull the API and then broadcast your event to push it. Dispatch the event, uh-huh. yep. Yep, yep. And that way you would get that real-time aspect. You would make sure that everyone gets the same value and you wouldn't hit the rate limits. And I think that would probably be the cleanest way of doing it. Yeah, without any magic stuff going on yeah, in the background. Which, that's the way it's going to get really hairy. Yeah, which is what we do for our, our phone system. We've got a, a Spartsy dashboard that we have set up at work for our phone stats, but we can only poll that, that API for our phone stats once every 15 seconds. So okay. we, we have to essentially do a similar thing where we, we, we cache the data on the local thing. So if we've got multiple instances of the dashboard open, they're getting the cached value, which updates every 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's probably going to be the easiest approach for you. It, it involves the least number of moving parts. It means you're containing all of the logic within your server-side application, and it means that your, your dashboard itself just has to sit there and listen for the broadcast events. Yeah, my biggest concern was that I was going to hit rate limits. That was my problem, and that's what I was trying to work around. Mm-hmm. And so I talked to Daniel Colborn and he was like, dude, just tell them that if Facebook rate limits you, you're just going to have to work around those rate limits. And if it doesn't work to update it every five seconds, then it's going to have to be whatever it is. And that's it. Like, that's all you can yeah. do. Either that or it's going to be fake numbers if they want fake numbers. He's like, so yeah, that's those are the constraints you have to operate within. And that's that's the yeah. end of the story, pretty much. There is no, you know. The, the other question so, I have um, for you, are you looking for, is it a, total that you're displaying of people that have viewed it or are you are you showing simultaneous viewers okay so this is the trick too so so it is kind of interesting so i've i've got part of the problem solved in that like okay if if at the end of the day i'm running a job every minute that is going to then queue up uh, 12 events that fire every five seconds and those are actually going to hit the facebook api and then dispatch an event to the front end and blah 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 all that happens fine that's good that handles updating the all-time views, right? There are two other things I want to do. I want to have number two, number of people viewing the video right now. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a calculated pseudo number. It's not going to be the actual number because Facebook doesn't provide me that value, right. right? So what I'm going to do is we're going to run a pretest, and I'm going to determine how many people watch it for how long. You know what I mean? So like, give me a kind of like a breakdown. So of the people who started watching the video, what percentage of them watched it for three seconds? What percentage of them watched it for 10 seconds? What percentage of watched it for a minute mm-hmm. or whatever? And then I'm going to kind of use that to give me a loose value of, uh, you know, based on how many people started watching it, how many people are still watching it. So I'm going to have to do an algorithm on that and essentially look at the total number of visits over the last however many minutes of the video, like over the last six minutes, how many people have visited, and then kind of do like a percentage breakdown and then deliver that to the front end. Mm-hmm. So that will be an algorithm. The third piece that I have to figure out, which is a, a trick as well, is they don't provide me with like an IP address or the location of the visitor who's going to be coming to the site. So I have to essentially fake a location that they're coming from. Because what I really want is I really would like to display a map that shows where they're where they're coming mm-hmm. from. I think that looks, it's really engaging, but it's actually all fake data. It's yeah. not actually going to be happening at that spot. Mm-hmm. But I know it's going to be in this country because the, 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 our, the ad will be targeted to that country. Sure. So that's the only place that'll be viewed. Yep. So that's my next piece. So I have like an SVG map that's just all these dots, which looks really cool. 
but now I have to figure out how to color those dots based on visits. Mm. And I mean, heck, at the end of the day, it might just be just random dots that I'm lighting up. Yeah. I don't know. That's awesome. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm working on it. I've showed it to Steve Sugar. I've, I've showed it to David Hemphill. I've gotten feedback on the design, and now I'm just gonna I'm just gonna work on how I want to display that. But that's the last piece of the puzzle. Once I've got all that done, I should be good. So it's been a fun project, yeah. though. Sounds cool. Yeah, I certainly think yeah. the server side yeah. approach is going to be the easiest. It's going to be the least amount of work for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's the most solid too. It's the most testable. It's the most solid. Mm -hmm. It'll be good. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of my fun project I'm working on right now. The rest of the stuff at work is, it's, it's fun. I have some other cool things I'm working on too, but most of the, most of the uh, fun stuff at work has been more design related than development related recently. So a lot of the, using a lot of Steve Sugar's tips. Yeah. Awesome. I, I don't touch cool. the design stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's a good place to be. If, I if have you can to. Do that. Yeah. 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 I, I've been told repeatedly, just don't. <laughs> just don't. <laughs> I mean, I take the, uh, I take the lessons to heart, and I try my best. Yeah. Right. Right. But you know, it's, it's not. But my, at the end of the day, it's better yeah. to know your strengths and your weaknesses yeah. than to you know. Yeah. So, me and UI, eh. <laughs> awesome. uh, that's funny yeah well all right well gentlemen i, I, I am say, uh, i think we should wrap up yeah i think i'm gonna tap out on this one yeah. uh matt thanks for coming on man it was yeah. good to have a third voice on the episode and just have you on to talk and chat for a little bit we haven't talked in a while so definitely my good pleasure guys thank yeah. you yeah thanks for coming yeah, on. man absolutely if if there's anything you'd like to share with our listeners if you want to share your twitter handle or any projects you're working on please feel free to do so uh, yeah, my Twitter handle is Maddie Lance. That's L A N T Z. Z. Yeah, you Canadians. Yeah, <laughs> Canadian. Um, outside of that, I, project wise, I don't have anything yet, but there will be lots of releases this year of stuff that's been a, a while in the making. Nice. All right, well, hit us up with any say. of your cool stuff, and we'll make sure to share it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to episode 40, our official Over the Hill episode. And Matt is 40, so perfect. Just kidding, Matt. Just <laughs> kidding. Just kidding. Like, He's dude. like, his eyes went like this big. You know I don't think. I'm just teasing you. Uh, uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. If you like this episode, please feel free to rate it up in iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. It'd be really appreciated. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at North South Audio or at our own personal Twitter accounts. Uh, I think that's it. Until next time. See you in two weeks. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.